0: The Press Box is here to catch you up on the latest media stories. Hosted by Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker, these guys have the insight on the biggest stories you care about. Check out The Press Box on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more.
2: Hello, welcome to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Moe I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm right. thanks man. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm not well, I'm good. <laughs> Sniffly, but good. There's
3: a difference. You didn't say welcome back to the Stadio Podcast.
2: I didn't, I noticed that and I thought, do you know what? Actually, I, mean, I knew something was off. Switch things off. <laughs>
3: like, they he can't okay? take me for
2: granted. Is he <laughs> okay?
3: Is he okay? <laughs> yeah, you can't assume that everyone's coming back. Maybe someone maybe so bleak. (laughs) No, I meant like maybe some first time listeners or yeah, everyone might have bounced.
2: Or we might have bounced spiritually. From the well, you know the physical realm, who knows. Emotionally
3: checked out of this season, maybe. Oh no. (laughs) Quiet quiet quitting. (laughs) Quietly football quitting.
2: (laughs) Tell you what, some of those defenses this Champions League are quiet quitting anyway. Oh yes,
3: there's a lot of quiet quitting going on. On the pitch. There's a lot. Uh, ben Shell was just like, fuck this shit.
2: One man who's not quite quitting is
3: Todd Bowley, I tell you that much. Oh my God. He, <laughs> one man who needs to quiet, quietly quit. Oh no. Incredible. Incredible. Oh, wild. Um, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, wherever you are. And a uh, quick bit of admin. There was only one writer's house this week and it's already gone up. It was supposed to, it was going to go up on Friday, but it was already before. So it was a very special episode recorded at Ian's old primary school. Where he unveiled the new Rocky and Righty Arena, which is a, a world-class five-six-a-side pitch, uh, with the help of EAFC and the Football Foundation. Looked amazing. Um, it was a really, it was an amazing day. It was amazing to be there. It was a real honour to be there. Actually, mm. with um, uh, Janet, Monique, and Melissa, and Stephen Rocastle were all there. Amy Lawrence popped on for a chat. Oh, amazing! Um, Emma Hayes was there
2: she rolled oh, through the great and good
3: it was uh, it was amazing so yeah that's up on the Righty's House feed if you haven't subscribed to that then why not go and search Righty's House wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts uh, I think it may still not be on Google Podcasts yet but that's it's out of my hands some people behind the scenes are making some calls sending some emails <laughs> so hopefully that'll be sorted soon Um, two Writers House episodes next week one with uh, both with us too mm. did some pre-records we did indeed they're fun so they'll be up great in fun. the usual slots next week Um, Stadio Archers plays on Spotify com, and make sure you go and check flow on the game on Counterpress yes and all the other good stuff on the ringer uh, I think that's all the admin it is all the admin yes
2: yes Champions League one today it is it is before we get into that I've got to just mention some breaking news out of France has mm. mentioned up top these are allegations it must be said at the top so the allegations that just came out they were released by RMC and the investigative journalist Roman Molina who's broken huge scoops mm. um, over the years and is highly respected so these are these are not allegations that were brought lightly and they involve um Christophe Gaultier's time at Nice, and the allegations come from the former director of football at Nice, Julien Fournier, who alleges that while in charge at Nice, Christophe Gaultier made several derogatory remarks about people in relation to their ethnicity and their faith. That's really serious stuff. We'll keep an eye on it as it develops. Um, there's talk about PSG having a look at it more closely, which you'd expect in a situation like that. That's as much as we know at this point. Um... Check out Google. There's plenty of stuff on there at the moment. Mm. But yeah, it's um, not good. It's not no, good. No, no. The um, allegations so severe that I even hesitated to repeat them, even though they're allegations. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um, Galtier released a statement via his lawyers saying he was stunned to learn the insulting and defamatory report and said he would take unspecified legal actions. Um, a prominent group of PSG supporters called for Galtier's departure if it could be proven that he made the alleged remarks. The quote says, the Ultras Paris Collective is closely following the Galtier case. If the facts he is accused of are proven, it is not acceptable that this person remains in the organisational chart of the club. We recall that we have always taken a stand against all forms of discrimination.
2: That's big, because that's that's the biggest group, I think, actually. They mm. are you know pretty serious, so they're coming out like that. Um, it needs to be dealt with
3: swiftly, resolved swiftly. Yep. Should we get into the football after this? Let's do it.
1: This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A T L A. SSian.com at Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right,
3: where do you want to begin? Do you want to begin in Madrid or would you like to begin in Milan? I think we begin in Madrid. I think so Madrid. too. I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Real yeah. Madrid to Chelsea nil. What are your thoughts, Musa Akwanga?
2: My thoughts were, just to provide context, my earlier comments. So Todd Bowley predicted a 3-0 victory yeah. well, for Chelsea. We-
3: we, we asked for some questions on this. I know I just literally asked you a question. I'm going to jump yeah, in yeah. with a question. Sure, sure, go for it. But um, Casey Joel Boyd said, what was Todd Bowley's pregame 3-0 Chelsea win prediction meant for? I'm oh, sorry, who was, Chelsea- who was Todd Bowley's pregame 3-0 Chelsea win prediction meant for? Chelsea, Madrid, the fans himself? Also, why?
2: Okay, here's the thing I'll say in defense of Todd Bowley, right? And I said this in the chat. Considering that we had no idea which Chelsea would turn up and which Madrid would turn up, a 3-0 defeat for Madrid in Madrid was not implausible. It wasn't. Um, we saw that Villarreal got at them. We saw that they are they're they're unusually they're strangely brittle at certain times, Madrid. The same unfortunately, the pressure that puts on your team, just because you think it, it doesn't mean you say it. And the problem is that a comment like that ha- does the disservice of overshadowing what was in certain parts an encouraging Chelsea performance.
3: Yeah, some, some bits were fine.
2: Yeah, The sad thing about this round, I think the headline is really, should the coaches that were sacked so soon before these ties have been sacked? Because Potter, having beaten Dortmund, I feel deserved a go at Madrid, actually. Yeah, me too. In a one-off tie, you saw the gaps that, that Madrid found. Could Potter have closed them? Possibly. He's a very good coach. Now, who are the comments meant for? I think, look, there's a long tradition in American sport of predicting victories. Joe Namath did it with the Super Bowl. You come out and you predict a win. Moses Malone did it, right? Moses Malone did it um, when the I think 76ers went that big run in the NBA. Like that's how it is. Like predicting a big result, actually, it can kickstart a fan base. It's something exciting. It's thrilling. And actually, to be fair to Todd Bowley, the early performance from Chelsea, the counters really, really impressive. It felt like Chelsea's strengths perfectly mapped up with. Madrid's weaknesses but all I'll say before I let you get in is that slowly but surely Real Madrid just won the arm wrestle and there ended up being a classic Real Madrid performance at home in the Champions League absolutely
3: classic yeah when was the Jao Felix chance 10 minutes early,
2: early it felt like 10 within 10
3: minutes. as we so often see in games like this and it's really easy in hindsight to to highlight but that looks a bigger chance now than it did even at the time. Because if you go ahead in Madrid, especially early in the game, mm. and it was kind of weird actually, because he had such a head start. It was on Militao. Dude, then, it was so um, strange, yeah. And like then it, he didn't yeah, accelerate. it was almost yeah. like he was, like the grass that he was running on was muddy and Militao was on, you know, There was like, a lack like, of conviction the though.
2: There was a lack of, maybe. Thierry, Thierry said this on CBS. He said, look, the, the first thing you're taught as a centre forward is to cut across your man. And that was in the line that Joao Felix, Felix took to goal. Yeah. Made it easier for yeah. And this is the thing, the sad thing about this was, so Frank Lampard knows all about victories like this because you saw the game, the 2012 um, victory, in the first leg against Barcelona. They take the 1-0 lead, Lampard hits the switch pass, Drogba gets in the end of it um, at the far post after the counter-attack. Lampard had envisaged obviously something like that where you take the lead and you soak it all up. And to be honest, you take a lead at the Benabeu and, and you've got a midfield three mm. of Enzo Fernandes, Kovacic and Kante. That is brutal to play through. And actually, mm. with those fullbacks playing, the wingbacks playing the way they were, Rhys James and Chilwell started really well. I fancied Chelsea to get something if they took the lead, actually. A draw
3: or a win. Well, I think they, they were really quite impressive, actually, when they went down to 10 men. And they defended quite deep. And mm. um, Ancelotti, after the game, said they made it quite difficult for them, actually. Yeah, yeah, and, I thought so. And, uh, you know, the goal was was a good one. It came from that change when Asensio came on and it was a cut back to the edge of the box. And it still, it was one of those that could have been blocked, actually. The second one, yeah, the second goal. Yeah, the second goal. Um, sorry, yeah, the goal after they went down yeah. to 10 men. Because obviously the first one, Benzema's tapping, comes from Vinicius having a shot. It's kind yeah, of yeah. spilled into Benzema's path and it's, a, it's an easy finish for him. But yeah, I thought. The most encouraging thing probably for Chelsea to take away with this was how they actually responded to going down to 10 men. I think mm. they did quite well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And they, they could have very easily imploded. And, but 2-0, they're still in the tie, which is all you really want to do when, mm. you go, when you go back to your home ground in the second leg. It's not impossible. And that's the thing. I think the real, the real key about when you get to the stage of the Champions League is just to make sure that you're still in the tie. And especially when there's such a huge discrepancy in terms of the, the, the form or maybe the morale around the two clubs this season. Um, you know, if anyone can get. I know that Frank Lampard takes a. You know, gets criticized quite a lot and, you know, some is justified for sure. But I feel like if you're a football player, a professional football player and you're playing in a Champions League quarterfinal second leg at your home ground and the person who is in charge is literally telling you what it is like to do that Mm. on one of some of the biggest nights in the club's history you're going to listen because football players listen to people who have been in that position more you know what I mean yeah that's right talking about how Potter deserved a chance I also kind of agree with but I feel like In this position in the second leg, rightly or wrongly, I feel that a lot of those players will probably listen more to what Lampard has to say about this certain scenario because he has done it on numerous occasions.
2: Mm, That matters now. It does matter, doesn't it? I
3: feel like it does, especially because there was just this, this vibe of you know, I think it was a bit disrespectful some of the dis- discourse about Potter, but it was of that very much like, you know, some of the players had to Google him and all that kind of crap. For God's sake. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's if you're yeah, breaking that's it down Venga to basic motivation, yeah, if you're breaking it down to like bo- basic motivation, Yeah, I mean, we know that this doesn't work for every coach, but I feel like actually in this instance, specifically, this could actually be a bit of an advantage, not an advantage, but a bit, it could be a bonus for Chelsea.
2: No, that's right. That's right, Brian. I think, This thing about having had to to be there to do it, having had to be a player to be an elite coach. I think it's fair to say that if you weren't a footballer at any level, the margin is so much smaller. You have to be a generational coach. You have to be a Wenger because you have to be so tactically brilliant and so strategic and so streetwise. You have to have an answer for everything. You can't say, I won a Champions League and that gets you out of jail. Rightly or wrongly, that's, I think, yeah. how it is. And the thing about Lampard, I think you're right, what they have to do at Chelsea is they have to just fly out there at Madrid. They have to absolutely rattle them and be disrespectful. The problem they have, of course, is the absence of Chilwell, which is yeah, going to be which is huge. It's killed that's them enormous this season sta- as yeah. well. Yeah. It has, and I think, to be honest, that's one of the things If it ends up being fatal for them. If you, if you name one defender across the back line, They could not have lost. Like He's an even bigger loss than Rhys James, actually. As brilliant as Rhys James is, he's an even bigger loss. And the fact that, you know, you pointed out really well, you pointed out last night, like it was Cucurella's mistake that Chilwell was covering for.
3: Yeah, the screenshot of basically where that Chelsea back, what, five is essentially, the Mm. Chelsea back line when, was it Kroos makes the pass or Valverde? I'm, I'm not sure. Basically like Rodrigo comes in, pops it back and then he's gone it's just all over the place Kukare just gets sucked in and basically good communication between the defenders and the midfield you just pull Kovacic back just pull you know, it's like funny talk though, to them
2: you saw that like, the whole match you saw it in the first half when Fafani got the early yellow and you saw mm. Madrid just hunting the mismatches Yeah, hunting them the moment that yellow came in the switches are coming everyone's attacking that space and it's that Madrid are just like wow it's a party it's a party it's like, when, yeah. it's like when you go out in Berlin and you forget to get your scarf and the cold is like having a party. It's like, woo, his throat is exposed. You're going
3: to pay for this tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: the cold just starts finding its way everywhere.
3: You're going to have to go <laughs> to the doctors and they're just going to have to tell you to drink tea. Yes, that's what I've just been through. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, obviously he was on the pitch because Koulibaly got injured, which is a big loss for them. He's struggled with injury this season. Mm. I don't know what they're going to do in the second leg. I know they haven't done this a huge amount this season or if at all I can't actually remember but Mm. if you're going to lose Chilwell maybe go into just a flat back four for for the home game.
2: You know it's fair because the sad thing for Mudrick is if Mudrick thinks about where he watched a few months ago he was excelling against Real Madrid. Yeah, It's really sad to think actually considering that in the right setup, someone like him on the counter especially is devastating. Mm. But I get why Lampard wouldn't have used him because it's a confidence thing and if he doesn't it doesn't work out for him the pressure that then adds to him it's almost compassionate not to throw him into a situation like that. Yeah. That makes sense.
3: Um, but Real Madrid, pretty comfortable. I thought Carlo Ancelotti was pretty sensible after the game. You know, he knew, I think he he was, he knew this was a good position, but the tie's not over. Uh, Logan Roberts sent us a question saying, is there any highlight more important than Don Carlo juggling the ball? This was there a nice is not.
2: Touch. There's not.
3: He continues just to live his best life. He's amazing, man. Like, it popped up on my, <laughs> on my highlights again the other day that silly Instagram story that I posted after they won the Champions League where when he comes in to shot and the players are like jumping and Don Dada by Supercat.
2: And he starts dancing. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you added that. You added that. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah,
3: yeah. I can't I can't like see him move around that without just hearing Don Dada by Supercat. It's really funny.
2: <laughs> There's a man very much in his bag.
3: He is man. Um, and I know that he, they've had some problems in the league this season. They've struggled a little bit but Again, you just see that like they just they just seem to all they they seem to rarely not be in control in this competition, dude.
2: They there are a club that are judged by different rules. I've thought about this a lot, right? Mm. Real Madrid's path to greatness is not the one that most other clubs share. theirs mm. is Their grail is the Champions League. It is. Let's be honest, Champions League. Yeah. If it was the league, they'd win it more. That's it. And I think, and I was thinking that's in relation to Mbappe as well, and, and the path his career has taken, and thought actually his grail. It is the World Cup actually like his relationship Mbappe's relationship with the World Cup is so specific and so unique and every it's quite special actually the journey he's on with that tournament right it's just where he seems to become something else as brilliant as he is in regular football and Madrid I think have the same relationship with the Champions League mm. and I think whoever coaches them just has to understand and respect that and Angelos just gets it yeah it's not he doesn't care about the league same as Zidane. No. Zidane Zidane really loved winning the league he and loved it. won the league. Yeah, of course, Thanks. and he did. And when he did, his comments about it, it was clear he respected it. Mm. And also, the league alone doesn't make you mythical. And right now, Angel Madrid are mythical.
3: 2-0 lead at the halfway yeah. point of the tie. Um, Squant's Island says, why are Real Madrid playing with their food? Do you feel that Real Madrid could have done more to kill off the tie?
2: I don't think they are playing with their food. I think, actually, they're not as ruthless as as their success makes them look. I was, I was re-watching, I said this mm. recently, I was re-watching their run of three in a row and they scraped through <laughs> a lot,
3: right? They scraped yeah, through a lot. Yeah. Arguably not the best team in Europe in any of those seasons. Yeah. Everyone's
2: coming for them and they somehow withstand it. You know, don't forget, they almost got the third, uh, Modric True. curling it just over. Oh, that was amazing, that shot. That was gorgeous. They went for it. Like, with Madrid's setup, it's, because they're so dominant, it's easy to forget they're not the fastest team through midfield. They're really not. Mm, like, no. Kroos, Modric, they look quick when they're exposing gaps, but they're not actually fast in terms of like foot speed. If they were in a sprint against, if you had a foot race, Kante, Kovacic, Enzo Fernandez against that midfield three, they get smoked right in repeated sprints. So they're not playing with their food. It's just they don't have um, Real Madrid success sometimes gives the impression they're more dominant than they are, but they're mm. not. They're not. Yeah, I hope that's a I fair agree. answer to a, a very good question.
3: Shall we switch to San Siro? Yes, let's do it. Uh, Milan beating Napoli 1-0. seems to be a lot of like existentialism going on, on online about Napoli at the moment. Oh, in, in what sense? Well, in the fact that obviously with the big defeat at home to, to Milan in the league, mm. which is fine because they've built up such a buffer. Yes. But then losing the away leg in San Siro to a single goal, mm. obviously without Ossimen yes. at the moment, which is a massive loss for them. We'll talk about it in a bit. You know how like every dropped point by Arsenal is seen by some as this is it, this is it, it's over. It's over, it's done.
2: Yes, yes.
3: There seems to be a little bit of that going on at the moment with Napoli in the Champions League even though I don't think they will win the Champions League anyway but I feel like they were obviously on a bit of a tear. Mm. I don't know whether it's me but I wasn't as concerned about them after this result. I thought,
2: look, a draw would have been ideal. A draw would have been absolutely ideal and a draw would have been fair. I mean, money, Mike, Magnon, and goal was ridiculous. Um, See,
3: that's interesting because I actually think Napoli winning the game would have been fair as well.
2: It, based on their first 40 minutes, funny enough, before Milan scored, Napoli mm. looked superb. And I, I was concerned when I saw that Raspadori wasn't starting and mm. they were using Elmas as the false nine. The way they moved the ball in that first half hour in particular was really special in many ways. The only concern I had was the second half when they went a goal down. Brilliant counterattack, by the way. Brian um, Diaz leading it. Um, the, my only concern was they started losing 50-50s and then the, the suspension of Anguissa for the second leg is a concern just because he's been so important to them. But second, you know, second leg they get Osimen awesome back and they, they yeah. get to play at that stadium with
3: that crowd. And I think what and Double a are coming for Anguissa.
2: He will, he will. It's just that Anguissa has been so good in terms of just regulating play and, and pushing pushing it forward. I think the thing with Napoli is, I think the concern, the existential stuff is, it was the fear people had, they might run out of steam. Also combined with the fear that there was that season where they didn't make Champions League, but they were losing mm. too many big games. And we've seen them lose at home to Lazio. We've seen them lose the 4-0. And, you know, they gave Milan a sniff, a sense that they could do it. And what we've seen with Milan is the counter, they're just brutal because people don't really go down the guts at Napoli, right? They don't really attack with disrespect. And Raphael Liao is playing with a vengeance because I think he feels a bit disrespected. He's not the level he was at last year consistently. Shows flashes though. Absolutely. And I think the Champions League is the perfect platform for that. Mm. Um, So I get where some of the fear is coming from. At the same time,
3: Napoli can still do this second leg. They've still got the quality. The thing about this, they could have been 2-0 up at halftime. They could have been 2-0 up before... Uh, Other than 5 before, minutes yeah they could have been 3-0 up, up in 10-15 minutes yeah 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 um, there were a couple of really good opportunities there were a couple of amazing saves from money Mike Manion, and just you're gonna miss a player like Ossiman you are Um, I do think you mentioned something about uh, Elmas coming in as the false nine mm. uh, Vaughn McKee said what do you think Spalletti's thought process was behind playing Elmas and why do you think he didn't start Politano or Raspadori?
2: Politano is hard to explain Raspadori because he's been brilliant. Maybe it's a fitness thing. But I just think changing two of your front three, he obviously had his reasons. Could have been fitness, could have been intensity. Raspadori is just such a good finisher from the bench that he's an option that maybe you want to bring on. Mm. Um, he's a better impact player, I think, from the bench than Elmas. And to be honest, Spalletti's tactics were kind of vindicated by the quality of the attacking play. It's not the attack that let Napoli down in the first half. It's really not. Like, Rafael Leal should not have got the break that he did to get the run through that he did. That shouldn't have been the case. It's interesting though. Yeah,
3: Yeah. it's interesting but I feel like the reason that he did was because Napoli were enjoying like a period of like real superiority Mm. and they were just way up the pitch. There was just this massive gap in, in midfield that just let Milan kind of run at them. And I feel like... I yeah, get, but you've got, you've, got,
2: you've got to turn the cooker off and you leave home, right? Yeah, I, I get that yeah, for
3: sure. But I feel, like, I feel like Napoli sensed that they could get something at that right, point, right. which is of why course. they were maybe leaving the back door open a little bit. And you've got to remember though as well that even despite Milan beating them, like sticking four past them,
2: yeah.
3: they've still got the best defensive record in... Apart, no, apart from Lazio, Lazio have conceded a goal less. Mm. They've still only conceded 21 goals in the league. So defensively, they're pretty sound and they've scored 18 goals more than anyone else in Serie A. Liao is understandable. But if, you th- if you look at the, the pace that Milan have in their attacking, what, four, really? It's kind of only really two of that four that are rapid. Giroud is not, is, is not someone that you play for. Uh, no, of course. With fear no, of no, pace. It's, the run, it's
2: the runners off him. Right, right. Milan basically had the France 2018 set up, actually. Yeah, the thing, the thing that
3: Liao did really well, though, was like, you know, we were talking about Jao Felix before about not doing that central run. Liao yeah. just went right down the middle.
2: And he made the cut. Yeah. Yeah. The Simon Kier header, though, that could be a turning point. If Napoli do yeah. come back, that tip over the bar, that save right there for Merritt, that could be a big one because 2 0 at half time, and it's a very different configuration for Napoli. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll talk about buying in a little bit, but you know how Thomas Tucker was saying how he was really pleased with the performance and even though it sounds a bit silly because they lost 3-0. Mm. I feel like Spalletti would look at this and be like, actually, oh, we're good. We're good. It's not ideal, but we're good.
2: Right. Well, look, no one's going to care about, this is the sad thing about a Palmecana's performance, but for the first half hour, he was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <we're> just, yeah. <laughs> this is really, well, yeah. No one wants no to hear it and maybe they shouldn't, but... Well, you they know, might but, hear it in part two. They might hear it in part two. <laughs> but but um, yeah. <laughs> A lot of what Bayern did was really impressive in that game, I
3: thought. Yeah. Uh, We had a couple of questions around a similar thing. Uh, Mutsu Magadar says, have tonight's games changed your opinion on Napoli's chances now? Um, Fabian says, do these pair of defeats affect Napoli's stability? Oh, hang on. And uh, Emmanuel Moudinemi says, Napoli can turn this around in Naples, contrary to Okwonga's conviction that the bubble has been burst by Milan.
2: What? (sighs) The bubble? Whoa, 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 (sighs) whoa, whoa.
3: Hang on (sighs) a minute. The (sighs)
2: bubble has been, whoa, this is, Words and listen, plenty of ridiculous words come out of my mouth already. I will take credit <laughs> for all of those. I will not go for words that did not come out of my mouth.
3: Did you say the bubble was burst?
2: No, no. What I really think, I think is the aura. Napoli's aura has been lost. Yeah, the aura I mean, got
3: punctured a little that's, bit. That's, that's yeah.
2: absolutely right. That's yeah, of right. Course. Yeah, yeah. Like, right. and look, there's no question that Napoli, without Osamend, are a vastly reduced attacking force because that's just reality. He's,
3: he's not good
2: is what the top three centre-forward in Europe, arguably, right at the moment. He's extraordinary. So they can turn it around. Does that mean that other teams have had a look at Napoli and thought, okay, they're more beatable now? Absolutely. Then again, I thought Benfica would show more against Inter. And they, sure. Benfica actually should have been more ruthless early against Inter. They should be disappointed with that outcome. Really disappointed. We'll get to that later. Well, but Napoli can turn around. Yeah, Sorry. of course they can. And they can still win the whole thing. But my God, it's, it's, a, it's a journey. Let's just, let's just see them get through this round first, I would say.
3: From a Milan point of view, before we move on from this, yeah. do you feel that they'll be more than happy with this? Or do you think they'll be a little bit disappointed?
2: They should be a little disappointed they didn't get the 2-0, yeah. I think. And I, I'm, I'm really happy for Pioli because he took, you know, I went on actually, I went on AC Milan TV actually a few, uh, a couple of months ago. Did you? Yeah, yeah, they were talking about turning it around. Yeah, yeah, they were talking about turning it around. And I just, they said, well, what do you think? And I said, I think Pioli deserves time. I think he's earned it. And actually mm. he's been a victim of, his success because he achieved success rather like Spalletti ahead of schedule mm. and that raises expectations and people forget where Milan actually are in their trajectory and i said look Milan have been in a rebuild They bring through young players Brahm diaz has finally found a home where he's happy there's not enough said about that like pioli got that guy to feel completely at home this is a player who was not at home at madrid or at man city and pioli's bringing the best from him he deserves all that credit so i'm really happy for pioli um happier than I'm at, even more um, than happy for Milan because Milan are back where they belong, you know, at the top of the European table. And having said all that, I think a second goal would have been par for the course. So I think, then, I think this result, yeah, even though Milan won 1-0, I think it's a slightly subpar result for them given they've established, they've established some kind of an aura in this fixture.
3: Looking at the game in isolation, I think Pioli will be more than happy with that. Because I, yeah. like, I feel like Napoli more than deserves something out of the game.
2: I think they did, but there's a ruthlessness. I think it's almost like this stage of the tournament, it's almost like taking what you don't deserve.
3: Yeah. I mean, it could have been two all, you know? Like, so I feel like keeping the clean sheet and going to Napoli is... Uh, going. To, I just yeah. remember
2: talking to my, um, one of my old bosses and he said something, um, life isn't about what you deserve, it's about what you negotiate. And I think <laughs> Milan... I okay. think Milan could have negotiated, and it's wow. brutal. I know, I know, it's horrible. But at the same time, I think, I think Milan could have negotiated something slightly better than one nil. But still, look, I'm not, not if any Milan supporter this morning is feeling some joy, I don't want to rain that parade because that's a huge wow. deal. Yeah. it's a huge deal. I mean,
3: yeah. you won the LUP in the Champions League quarter final. They beat Napoli twice in like two weeks. Yeah, and, and they, they know Redmond. they can go there and win. So that that Napoli,
2: yeah, it's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: That's the biggest thing I think about this is the fact that they've recently gone there and, and hammered
4: them.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
3: All
4: right, let's take a break and then we'll do
3: Tuesday's games. Let's do it.
4: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app.
1: This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes enter the Kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theatres everywhere get tickets now
3: right, man Etihad yes let's do it Manchester City 3 FC Bayern 0 Um, my favourite bit of this was uh, Pep's post-match interview when he was saying you know I spent three years in Bayern I know the I know the Bayern mentality and then corrected himself to mentality which I love that
2: (laughs) Pep doesn't get enough credit for going from Spain and coaching by Munich in the Champions League in German. In German. It took me eight years to do my first event in Germany and I spoke German before. I spoke it pretty well. Like, and Pep just goes and does it off the bat. That's wild.
3: The only thing I could do in German is probably like a Bundesliga post match interview. That's just it because I've just watched <laughs> so many they'll, of them and all the, the same, same. format. Yeah. I
2: mean, I'm so good for tidy. It's incredible because you always did you it know, you always come in with the perfect cadence. This is the funny <laughs> thing.
3: <laughs> so, yeah, Pep, Pep coaching Bayern in German. Well done, Pep.
2: You could coach Bayern, yeah. yeah um, okay. But before I forget, yeah, so Pep, um, Pep against his old club winning 3-0, uh, a scoreline that was ultimately fair, but if you'd watched the first half hour, you'd be surprised that would be how it would turn out. Can I say as well, one other thing that Pep is not getting full credit for, the fact that Pep decides, you know what, we're so good at ball possession, we're just going to move one of our centre-backs into midfield. Just for fun. Yes. Like, that tactical innovation, right? Because it's a back three, but it's not, it's because it's Ruben Diaz is so good, he can basically cover everything but you can do that Ruben and the basically those two centre backs are basically fullbacks Ake and and Akanji are basically fullbacks because Pep's control of space is so good it it, tactically it's what I'm just mentioning because I think that every now and again Pep does something tactically incredible that everyone ends up doing and just acting as the norm and it is not normal it's not normal to play a 3-2-4-1 with two inverted wingers and it's not normal and I'm just saying that because we're just normalizing, like it's just, it's fine. It's, it's... Anyway, sorry, I had to say that because I've always known, you know, with Pep, Pep every 12 to 18 months does something tactically that blows my mind Then ever just accepts it. To reintroduce something that hasn't been seen for so long against teams that like will punish any extra space, any extra space. It's like cutting your foot and putting it in shark infested water. And you're inviting people to come at you. Oh, they've only got three at the back and they're narrow or they're wide or whatever. And there's extra space between. It's like with Barca, and when Barca basically had PK playing as a center back, and then everyone was on the halfway line. And PK wasn't even that quick and it still worked. Again, that wasn't new. You know, Beckenbauer did it, but my God.
3: I mean, how <laughs> would you play
2: against them? Against Pep. <sighs> Not dissimilar to what Bayern did actually. Bayern didn't get that. This is the thing. A couple of Leroy-Sane decisions that were a bit better and Bayern come out with profit.
3: Yeah, well, let's move on to this because... Um, let's get into it, yeah. Yeah, because Thomas Tuchel was very pleased with the performance afterwards. And, um, and I can kind of understand, Yeah. really. Um, Jan Sommer had the zoomies, which he sometimes mm. gets. Yes, he did. Uh, which... It's why we love him. Yeah, you know the TikTok, like the TikTok craze, where they're just like, where they people are filming their cats. You ever know, like? You ever look at someone sometimes and just wonder what is going on inside their head? It just cuts to like Jan Sommer. Be, <laughs> because the thing about Jan Sommer is like, I find it's really interesting where there are certain players or certain teams where it, you, you get into the latter stages of the Champions League, mm. and, and people are just like, oh, you know, like I think it was Darren Fletcher from BT Spot being like. You know he's chaotic or something like that, Jan Sommer. But you know he will save, and I'm like, yeah, but actually sometimes he's really not chaotic. But he when he he, and that's why I call it the Zoomies because like it's not a regular thing. It's just like sometimes he will be really really chill and just make some really good saves and just keep Mm. it really really boring, and then sometimes he'll just like roll over on a ball, like like, absolutely.
2: It's because because,
3: like... You said something where it's almost like the more difficult the chance, the more comfortable Zama is in that situation.
2: You need to actually, you're you're more likely to score past him with a miss hit shot than with an absolute laser. Unless you're on 20 yards, yeah. Unless you're, well, well, we'll get to that. That was a banger, my God. Well, actually, this is the thing. Until that opening goal by Rodri, Bayern looked pretty good. And even after it, to be honest. And you asked my question about how you go at Man City. Well, they did it perfectly. We all know that one of the best people in the game at running into those gaps is Jamal Musiala, right? If they'd started with Thomas Muller, they would have basically been playing um, with someone who's not particularly fast, right?
3: I in think this is, I think expect- this is a huge shout. And I'm glad you said this because I feel like this is the one thing that I feel Thomas Tuchel got wrong. Mm. And that was starting Kingsley Coleman. I would have played Serge Gnabry on the right-hand side and played Thomas Muller centrally because what Bayern were really missing yeah. was that extra pass in key positions. And I think Muller would have found the pockets in the final third of the pitch to force Leroy Sané, who I feel made a couple of really... Not, I don't want to dunk on Sané because we'll talk about the stuff that happened afterwards, but for example, you know, there's that famous pop quote when he's like, "Give it, you know, make the extra pass, turn like a good shot into a great look, like a good look into Spurs, a great 2014 look. 2014 Spurs, I mean? exactly. Yeah.
2: Love that team.
3: And there were a couple of times where Bayern turned an okay look or like could have turned an okay look into a really, really good look. Uh, but Sané tried like a couple of speculative shots. So I think if Muller is on the pitch, he just demands, like even he may not verbally demand the ball but you you see thomas müller you know he's going to be in a little pocket of space and it makes force of you to Chupa make that extra was huge pass. yeah yeah i mean missing promoting was massive for them and they maybe, it, maybe absence
2: of, as you pointed out maybe absence of nagelsmann because nagelsmann uh, yeah. nagelsmann had just about i think that he'd just about worked out the champions league the buy-in that beat psg in that second i know psg was subpar and actually i was checking out Looking at the Galtier store, I went onto the PSG subreddit and I saw one of the greatest quotes. <laughs> we parked the most expensive bus in history against Bayern.
3: <laughs> wow.
2: It's <laughs> incredible. Shout out to whoever wrote that incredible quote from PSG subreddit. Um, but really, just this thing about Narkosman, it felt like at the end of that second leg, I turned to my mate and I said, Look, I know PSG are, have been awful. But this Bayern know exactly what they are doing. Exactly. Now, of course, Tuchel came in and changed things up. And, you know, I respect that. But at the same time, I'm like, really? Like, not starting Thomas Muller in this game? Then you've mm-hmm. got Murciala breaking ground as he, alongside him and just causing that havoc. You've got then the twin threat, right? Murciala just breaks ground. Muller is alongside him, just like, you know, the stalking horse. <sighs> And then up top, I mean, who do you put there? Gnabry, I get it. I get it because he scored so many goals there in the Champions League for <sighs> for them. And, and I don't think that Sané is the focal point. This is the problem. Again, we're criticising Sané to an extent, but it's only because when you have a player of that quality you expects slightly more, he didn't get the best contact in one shot, he dragged across. There was also a counter where he should have basically laid it in and he didn't. And I think, you know, we talk about that word "pause" that Barcelona use. You hesitate and just play that right pass, but I think it was that and I think that unpicks put it this way Pep if he's coaching Bayern uses Muller against City yeah and that's the
3: difference yeah I mean 27 minutes Rodri scores that absolute worldie for the first goal and Tuchel yeah. said something really interesting after the game he was just like listen like if the shot that we are giving up is their number 6 on his weaker foot from like what 25 yards right we're good yeah and that's fair um or up, we know that
2: Rodri is dangerous from distance.
3: Yeah. Uh, first Champions League goal for Rodri, um, which is pretty wild. And Got that
2: banger against Villa. But yeah, anyway. Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, and then uh, Sadio Mane comes on for Jamal Musiala about the time where there's a, I think it was just, just after, there was a banner held up by Bayern fans um, saying, Glazers, Sheik Mansoor, all autocrats out, football belongs to the people. Mm. Um, which kind of kick-started a little bit of a of, of discourse. It um, did, yes, yes. Man City fans in the stadium started to sing the name of Sheik Mansour. Mm. and then Bernardo scored so it kind of all fizzled out. There's an interesting thing here because when you see people on Twitter talk about it, they're like, yeah, well, Bayern have uh, Audi, Allianz and Adidas as part shareholders and like, yeah, they do. They own, yes. I think, a combined 25% of, of um, by a majority owned by members mm. um they will talk about clubs like Bayer Leverkusen, Hoffenheim, Wolfsburg, RB Leipzig who are mm. yes widely unpopular and uh, exceptions for historical reasons or recent reasons to the the 50 plus 1 rule mm. on the whole or anomalies let's say um and but and then some people say, "Well, Bayern win the league every year." Why don't they uh, protest against that? They do. Actually. They do actually. They Bayern really fans do. Protest yep. have protested on numerous times about the Qatar Airways um, sponsorship, which provides Bayern with a huge amount of money. And there's, I think it's just a real like, it's a little It's not. It's I don't think it's so so cut and dried as being a cultural thing, but. There's a lot of, I feel like, for example, because English football fandom and Premier League, it's a, it's a Premier League thing as well, specifically, I feel like, it is so tribal mm. that if you said, for example, yeah, when you go to Bayern Dortmund games, there's obviously a Dortmund bit, but you will see yeah. Dortmund shirts scattered through the stadium when they go to the Alliance Arena and vice versa. People are like, what? Because of the culture that exists there, there is a lot more fan solidarity across the board on everything, like people for example, just can't when, when yeah. members people, of yeah. ultras groups get yeah. banned from games, other ultras groups usually like release ballers, banners, in solidarity, and all this kind of stuff. So,
2: can I say this? as just well? It's an interesting thing. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. And I, I want to just add to that great framework you set up there. I think I want to add to that. Just say, a lot of people couldn't believe that Bayern fans actually cared about City fans. I
3: know that's the about difference. Their, that's, yeah. that's,
2: that's, that, that. was the that was the grim thing about it. They were like, "Oh, you're just point scoring." No, they really weren't. Actually, they were like. Now, this is bigger than us. Look, we've got the Champions Leagues. We've got the Bundesliga titles. This is about more than that. This is about what football is and should be, where it's going, how we feel about that, and how we feel about that for you, and how we feel about the pact that a lot of you have made with your owners. And we're not saying don't enjoy the success because success is nice. We're saying look at it with a clear, critical eye. Because at some point, like beyond that certain point, you might have misgivings and regret it. Like we had a load of Chelsea fans write to us about the Bramovich years going, yeah, a lot of that was great, but mm, not sure about that. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's the thing. That's the complexity that they're asking you to engage with.
3: with I've, 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 I've spoken to lifelong Bayern fans before who have who have literally said, I wish we didn't win it every year. Wow. I get that because it's more like they understand the reasons why. And it's a mm. mixture of the inability of some players to stay at their clubs within the Bundesliga, the, the, the financial pull of the Premier League, meaning that even Bayern or Dortmund, definitely Dortmund, but even Bayern, sometimes mm. miss out on the very, very, very best talent in the world because they just can't afford to pay the wages that the Premier League clubs got. and mid-table Premier League clubs as well. Absolutely. So, But it's also down to the financial setup of regular Champions League football and how that, since the m- revenue has increased massively in the, in, in the Champions League, then the Champions League clubs on the whole have pulled away from the rest of their leagues and why it takes so long for that for other teams to break into that unless they do have a massive benefactor. Sure. And there's also some stuff with the 50 plus 1 rule, which not everyone agrees with, but even fans who are struggling in the Bundesliga, there will be some, so you don't have to do, if anyone knows one or finds one, you don't have to, do, you don't have to hit me to it. But on the whole, protecting that setup is more important than the club's yeah. individual success.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the whole. I agree, I agree.
3: I'm not criticising or... or, or Or anything here I'm just saying that it was an interest it it threw up an interesting conversation Mm -hmm. or an interesting comparison between two very different football cultures and
2: I'm criticizing people who refuse to educate themselves about the fact that Bayern fans might not just have been point scoring I'm critical of that yeah because not everyone not everyone knows all this stuff and that's fine it's just that if there's information there that's available the people yeah, are I mean, putting out there Then just have a look Google's at it right check there. it out yeah it's right there and
3: also yeah. the, the, the thing the only thing that does really annoy me is when you hear the whole thing about like well, Bayern just take Dortmund's best players they don't that's not true and it hasn't happened for a long long time Well, Bayern just take the best players from the rest of the league well what happens in the rest of the leagues like right. yeah so, like someone will leave Fiorentina and go to Juve someone will leave Napoli and go to Juve someone will leave yeah. AC Milan and go to Juve yeah. and vice versa you know yeah. Manchester City, you look at the players that they had on the pitch uh, on Tuesday.
2: Ryan, we took Wayne Rooney from Everton. Grealish. Imagine, imagine yeah. in another world. Grealish, Stones,
3: yeah. Ake, all from other Premier League sides.
2: Ryan, Everton are a huge club. Imagine the what if of like Wayne Rooney, actually, if Everton could have kept him and put pieces around him.
3: Yeah. Look yeah. at the bench. We had Mahrez, Calvin Phillips, Carl Walker. I mean, you could say Scott Carson if you really wanted to. But you know, like...
2: Mares yeah. was the wildest one because Mares was like the absolute jewel.
3: Mares won the league. Calvin yeah. Phillips was an absolute like first choice for Leeds and he's just been on the bench for Man City. So that's the, yeah. the thing I like. I know. It happened, like, come on, man. It's like the sky is blue. Anyway, there was anyway. a third goal in this game. Which there really- was a third goal. Uh, well, first of all, Holland's assist for uh, Bernardo Silva was lovely. Oh, and a lovely head of Silva, who was silver.
2: extraordinary. He was amazing. He was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, typical. Yeah. There's just something about these games, these tight games, where he goes on the level. I still can't believe that his signing was relatively uncontested. Mm. It's like him and De Bruyne, right? Maybe they just wanted City, but like if you think when those two players went in the market and how pivotal they've been, I can't believe that the whole of Europe was not after them with the bag. Like it's un, <laughs> they are in. It's strange to think that a player as expensive as Bernardo Silva represents outstanding value for money, but he kind of did. Yeah. Arguably, I'll just say it best value for money, center midfielder of the last five years. Ooh. That good. Yeah, why not? He's that good.
3: Throw it out there. <laughs> I mean, Erdogan's pretty good value for money. Oh, he's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Same. Uh, anyway, uh, and then John Stone's assistant for Holland's. For the, th- for the third Manchester City goal which I think I think that's killed the tie yeah that's right that's right
2: um, Stones is so good at midfield he's so
3: good man he's just an amazing footballer it's John Stones like, <laughs> he just really is I yeah. think we'll maybe save the the big picture buy-in chat for the second leg for after yeah. the second leg because yeah, um, I have yeah. a feeling we might have to talk about it but um, do you want to talk about the, the Sané and Mane thing or not really.
2: I mean, it was—it's confirmed. It happened, right?
3: Yeah, there was. Um, we're recording this around the time that apparently Sadio Mane has gone into the Bayern training ground and had having an apology, or he's going to say an say an apology or something, or give an apology. Strange, strange,
2: strange—an so altercation between him and Sané after the game.
3: Yeah, which uh, um, him, not, him, yeah,
2: not been a great season for Sadio Mane.
3: No, it hasn't actually started. It looked like he started really strong. Yeah, and then he got injured and he's not been in the best form. And
2: then behind the peck, behind Chupamoti the pecking order, who's, look, Chupamotin is a very good
3: centre forward. Mm. And I think
2: that, unfortunately, he signed for a team which needed a traditional nine much more than any of us maybe realised at the time. I think Sebastian Aller starts ahead of Cedro Mani. That's the problem. Like, in a, in a team like Bayern's...
3: As a nine, maybe.
2: As a that's what I'm saying, as a nine. But I think is, as a wide the forward... Problem. No, but yeah, but this is the problem, isn't it? He's had the wide forwards at Bayern are very good and they needed that focal point and mm. he was signed kind of hoping to be the focal point and then realised because Lewandowski went and he came in, it was almost like, okay, you're going to be the nine, but he's not the nine. Mm. Um, and that's no disrespect to him. It's just that it's not worked out like he wanted.
3: Uh, let's wrap on Benfica Inter. Instead. Oh, Benfica. Benfica, oh. Benfica, Benfica. It was Benfica. there for them as well, Ryan. It, it was really, really was. Uh, Benfica losing 2-0 at home to Inter in the first leg of this one. Um, an unbelievable header from Niccolò Borella. The I delivery like, from Bastoni. I when, when the commentator said it was borella I was just like,
2: nah. I know, I know. Nah. Well, when the cross came from Bastoni, I was like, I knew the guy nah, could ping it, but nah. like that. <laughs> and then like Trent Alexander, uh, uh, Alexander-Arnold vibes. It was crazy. It was very good.
3: And then a Romelu Lukaku penalty, which Wibes. we'll talk about. Why? Uh, a Romelu Lukaku penalty, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, yeah. uh, some big, chance, big chances for Benfica. They had uh, a couple. There some great saves in this game from mm. Onana. Onana made a couple of great saves. Both Milan mm. keepers. Coming up well, big. Both Milan keepers really. Uh, mm. Yeah. The one. <sighs> I don't want to pick holes. Gonzalo Ramos, we had that one chance near the end, which I right. I can kind of understand because it's so late in the game. You've been waiting mm. for a really, really big chance the whole game and it comes in like the fourth minute of stoppage time. Right. But we saw the goal he scored in the World Cup. Yes. And I know that not everything. That's now, the That's same. now
2: his benchmark. It's now his benchmark.
3: But you know, you, it is. You, listen, you come on the scene like that with those moves. Thank you. People are expecting you to, to have moves all the time. That's right. Uh, I was really. I I thought that would be the one that got them back into it at least. The two one, right? Yeah, yeah. and if, they, if I think if they go to San Siro, would at two one, they're more than in it. I and they've
2: they've absorbed the loss of um, Enzo Fernandes really well.
3: They really, really have really yeah.
2: really
3: well. They really have. I think that they do have the goals in them, mm. but I'm not entirely sure that they'll. They
2: wasted get, that first leg.
3: They wasted they, they that did first actually leg in Lisbon. Yeah. That was the one because they
2: came out again like Napoli with that intensity. Could have actually, Gonzalo um, Ramos could have scored one. Gonzalo could have scored in the first. I think he dragged it slightly wide. Rafa Silva went close. They had opportunities, right? And they really, ah, uh, just, it, it should go down as a big disappointment for them because considering the football they've been playing all year and enter's inconsistency, it slightly felt like they got sucker punched. Mm. Uh, even the penalty awards, they get that goal then, obviously, and it's 1-0 for a while. The Kaku cool later on gets the penalty. You can see why it's given, but at the same time, I'm just like, this feels, it's draw J- J- Mario, I think, jumping for it, and he heads it onto his arm. And there's all that, it's the old complaint about how else are you supposed to jump? Right? It's how else mm. are you supposed to jump? Because you see it, and it's almost like, it's the, I hated it, this decision. The big tell is the first moment the ball gets crossed in because it's not like there's a wild no. scream of injustice from the players. It gets reviewed, penalty given. Lukaku slots at bottom corner. Huge, huge goal for him to score this.
3: Yeah, especially after the weekend.
2: Yeah, Champions League quarterfinal. He's got that goal again. Um, he got the goal with Coppa Italia against Juventus, so he scored two huge penalties now. Um. Just frustrating, a horrible, a frustrating decision to end just a really frustrating night for Benfica.
3: Yeah, I hated it. I don't understand. This has been, yeah. you know, like, I make a joke about this where I'm looking at load, a load of these handball decisions. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't, I don't I've get I don't anymore. understand yeah. football anymore, actually. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. For where he is on the pitch, he's bang on the line, right? Out wide. It's, it's ricocheted off his head. And it's a re- and it's smashed at him from really close range, and the award for that is essentially, it's essentially a goal, right? Yes, that is way- that is so outweighs like that so outweighs the initial crime yeah. that. I wonder where it's going to go. Maybe this is a, maybe this maybe we should do a rule ch- another rule ch- uh, law change episode soon when there's a gap in the schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. We'll go through and change we'll pick a few each about the things that we change and what what they can do because I think there's a bit of a turning point coming with some of these decisions because VAR hasn't this is this is definitely one for another time, but VAR I don't think has really had the impact that the authorities would have hoped it would have. Mm. Um clearing things up maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If anything it's I think it's muddied stuff a little bit more. So but looping it back to this decision I I, I just could not believe this was given, actually. I couldn't. Do you know, the penalty
2: decision was so strange to me because I actually, when I, when I saw the replay, I thought, oh, are they giving it for hitting the shoulder? Because I couldn't, I couldn't believe it had been given mm. for the ricochet. I couldn't believe it had been given because it goes from his head to his arm. And I just thought, Where, how else are you meant to jump to like steady your body? And like, I just didn't get it. Um, and I don't want to be one that always hounds like referees for the decisions they make it's just that the context and all of it just felt yeah anyway confusing mm-hmm. and also just a bit disappointed and gutted for Benfica because this is a really special team they put together and they had to absorb the loss of Enzo Fernandez. obviously at a time when he was doing things for them he was playing beautifully for them maybe even a great Benfica team and you know, they great in terms of playing football that is spectacular that, that fans will remember fondly I just feel they deserve better from this campaign um, I know they can still do something in um, the second leg
3: but they're up against it now they really are yeah uh, I reckon that'll do us yeah and that's fair mm. um, quick shout out for uh, Australia but in England in the friendly yes Kerr, oh my god but uh, I'm sure you'll be able to hear all about that on today's counter for us. So go and, and check on the again. Not,
2: not, not the worst, not the worst loss for them actually funnily enough. One of those because kind of it now, like keeps It now, them in gives, check. It now gives Serena Viegman full, i well, sure she already had it, but full authority to really go in and just be like, this doesn't happen. These are not the passes we play here. This is not how we play out from here. You know, that kind of thing. Just, yeah. yeah. A bloody nose, I think it was.
3: Don't forget to check press like we mentioned uh, rice right mm. has back next week but make sure you go and check that episode that's up now in the feed from uh recorder Ian's primary school old primary school yeah um don't forget to check the rigger.com and check the Stadio Archers players on Spotify speaking of which playing out on special by plus instruments anything you would like to add muwon nothing further I'm good lovely have a lovely weekend everyone much love and we'll be back with you on monday see you then
0: Yo